Keys to Lost is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. Get all of your favorite Lost podcasts in one feed at lostcasts.blogspot.com. St. Louis, Missouri, it's Keys to Lost, a weekly podcast dedicated to the ABC television series Lost, hosted from a musician's perspective by keyboardists Matt Murdock and Leslie Sanazaro-Santi. And now, here's Matt and Leslie. And welcome to Keys to Lost. This is Matt. Uh, I'm here by myself right now. Keith Solo and I have switched our weeks that we're going to do the initial reaction, so you can catch the initial reaction to this week's episode on the Lost Revisited Now feed. It's hosted by Heath. And the reason that we did this was because of the way Heath's schedule was working out. So I'll be taking the turn next week instead of this week like we would normally do. And then following that, it'll be Donald from Donald is Lost again. And then me again. And then Keith will once again take his usual spot. So sorry for the confusion. I think both Heath and I had announced that it would be on the Keys to Lost feed this week, but it's in actuality going to be on the Lost Revisited Now feed. So be sure to check that out. The initial reaction roundtable hosted by Heath Solo from Lost Revisited Now with myself and with Donald from Donald is Lost. Also want to remind you that coming up on March 20th and 21st is the Jay and Jack 30-hour marathon podcast, which benefits Autism Speaks. A great benefit. Don't forget that Jay and Jack are also scheduled to have uh, possibly Jorge and Damon Lindelof from Lost on the podcast, so be sure to listen for those interviews as well. And make sure to bring your wallets. Again, it's a great benefit. The 30-hour marathon podcast for Jay and Jack. You can go to jayandjack.com or check out their podcast. You can subscribe to them easily on iTunes, the Lost Podcast with Jay and Jack, to find out more details. Now, this week, since we're not doing the initial reaction here, I've decided to go ahead and put up another Giacchino Moments flashback. Uh, here are six more G Kino moments from past episodes, which covers musical predictions, uh, some themes from LAX, themes from What Kate Does, themes from The Substitute, themes from The Lighthouse, and themes from Sundown. So I hope you enjoy that and have a great week. The regular Keys to Lost podcast for this week's episode will be coming out on Saturday because Leslie is out of town until Friday when we record. And in the meantime, stay lost. Here's the Giacchino Moments. The Giacchino Moment. In this week's Giacchino Moment, I thought I'd take just a couple of seconds to make some musical predictions for Season 6 of Lost. I've narrowed down three themes that I think we're going to hear a lot of in Season 6 because of the way that I feel the story is going to go. 
and because Gikino has already established these themes, it's easy to just play you clips of them and explain why I think we're going to hear those. The first one that I think we're going to hear a lot of is what is on Lostpedia referred to as Jacob's theme, which I also consider a theme of the light side of the island. And I really think that we're going to hear this theme a lot because we may see some flashbacks where Jacob is interacting with our losties in other situations, or we may see scenes where Jacob is in fact still alive. Not sure exactly what the context is, but his idea that humanity needs to realize its potential by making the right choice and that they can, I think is prevalent in season six. And that's why we're going to hear that theme, which is very ancient sounding and it's very wise sounding and thrilling. I believe that we're going to hear that a lot. So here's a snippet of that theme. Another theme that I think we're going to hear in Season 6 will be the realization of the Sun and Jin theme. Primarily the one will be resurrected, I think, from Season 2. It was known on the Season 2 soundtrack as The Last to Know, but it's kind of truly the, the Jin-Sun love theme, and I think we're going to hear that some. I think uh, part of reuniting them will be a big part of the show in Season 6. And I think we'll hear that theme on several occasions because of whatever importance it is of them to be together. And the reason that Jacob touched them must have something to do with the hierarchy of the island. So, I think we'll hear this theme. This is from the Season 2 soundtrack, The Last to Know, which appeared on and found the Sun and Jin-centric episode.
And absolutely, without a doubt, we're going to hear Ben's theme played a lot this season. The island is not done with Ben, and neither is the story. Killing Jacob is not his end. I think he's going to have to make some real sacrifices once he finds out that he's been duped. And I think we're going to hear his theme prevalent a lot in this season. Maybe not so much the evil side, maybe not even so much the child side. Giacchino may have another trick up his sleeve as to how to realize the theme with new orchestration or new harmonization. But I do think that we might hear some heroic Ben as well. And the best instance of that that I can cite is from the season four finale. There's no place like home where Ben turns the wheel with the horns realizing the theme. And here's that clip. So those are three musical predictions for season six. And thank goodness we don't have too much longer to wait until we see if those predictions come true. That's the G Kino moment for this week. Thanks for listening. The G Kino moment. In this week's Giacchino Moment, we're going to explore two things. First of all, wow, there were a couple of new themes that we heard in this episode, which I hopefully will be able to cover those themes more in depth later. We'll see them repeated in further episodes. One of the themes that I am going to cover today is the theme for the Man in Black or for the Smoke Monster, which we will cover in just a moment. But the first thing that I really wanted to address is G. Kino's use of effect on an acoustic instrument. When we see Jack landing in L.A. in the alternate timeline where the plane doesn't crash, we hear a piano and we hear an effect on it. And that effect makes it cut in and out a little bit. Uh, it applies a, a type of phasing to it that cuts the sound out. And this is the first time that I can recall in this 
show that Giacchino has applied effects to an acoustic instrument playing on its own. Later on in this same sequence, we will hear a plucked string creating a rhythm that is exactly in the same timing as the effect, but instead the the whole overall effect is created with acoustic instruments rather than the use of an actual type of sound effect. Now, what I'm describing here where it phases in and out, I'm going to keep just talking here for a few moments, and I'm going to apply this effect, which is like a tremolo effect or a phasing effect, which cuts my voice in and out, and you can hear how my voice right now is cutting in and out as I keep speaking. Okay, hopefully you got what I meant here. Now, I'm going to play the first part of the clip where that kind of effect is applied to the piano. So let's listen to that. We're almost home. I'll be putting on the fasten seatbelt sign now. We'll be on the ground in just a few minutes. Thank you so much for flying Oceanic Air. Now, here is another point where G. Kino uses a plucked instrument, uh, some type of string plucked instrument, and I'm not quite able to identify it exactly, but it definitely creates the same effect, except this time he creates the effect with acoustic instruments rather than with some type of sound effect. So let's listen to that clip. And you could hear that plucked instrument kind of ringing through, even sometimes playing different pitches than what the melody was. So that gives us that feeling that, you know, it's definitely something that is created with an instrument rather than just an effect at that point. But what does it all mean? What is G. Kino trying to tell us? I think because of the way that it does break up the sound, he's telling us that there's something incomplete about this world and that we are going to need more information in order to resolve what this world actually is to us. So I believe that that's what that point is. You break up the sound just a little bit. It gives you that kind of disjointed, uneasy feeling, and it makes you get a feeling of not really being complete, because it isn't, because there are portions of the sound that are actually missing. So I think that was just a fantastic job, and it, like I said, it's. I think this is the first time he's ever used any kind of effect on an acoustic instrument as he did in the piano on the first part of that theme. Now we move on to the new theme that I want to discuss for this week, and that is the theme of MIB, or the Smoke Monster. One and the same, of course, we've learned now, which is fantastic. That's a, That was a nice reveal. The melody itself, 
originally fooled me. I thought it was derived from a harmonic minor scale. Let me play the melody for you. I'm sure you're going to recognize it. It's from, if you think, to the scene in the four-toed statue, the first scene in where Man in Black and Ben are having the conversation about why Jacob didn't resist and what have you. You'll recognize this theme from there. Let me play it for you on the piano. Now, when I first picked this out on the piano, I looked at the notes, which consist of an E-flat to an F, an F up to a G-flat, an F to an A, and then A to B-flat. I looked at those notes and I said, oh, those are from a B-flat harmonic minor scale. Very easy. The A natural against the G-flat pointed it out to me right away. The problem that I found, though, was then I went back and listened to the harmony that Giacchino applied to it, which consisted of an E-flat minor chord and a D natural minor chord. Now, in the B-flat harmonic minor scale, there is no D natural. Let me play the B-flat minor harmonic scale for you. So you can hear how that sounds kind of minor. But the problem was is that there were D naturals present rather than the D flats that are normally in a harmonic minor scale. And let me play the harmony for you here so that you can hear how it just it's like a minor chord resolving down a half step, basically. Now, the second and fourth chords of that four-chord sequence that I just played for you simply don't exist in a B-flat harmonic minor scale. So it made me realize that he must be taking it from some kind of variant of that, perhaps just replacing the major third instead of the minor third, meaning that instead of having a D-flat in the scale, he's just simply putting in a D-natural in order to give it a more exotic feel or something like that. But then I went and I did a little research, and what I found was is that there is, in fact, a scale that has that very note in it and all of the rest of them. It has a B-flat, C, D, E-flat, F, G-flat, A, and B-flat. It's from South Indian classical music. It is one of the 72 Melicarta scales of Karnatak music. Now, it's actually scale number 27, which is called the Sarasangi. This old classical music of India, primarily of the south in India, is very ancient sounding, and that is the origin of both the melody and harmony of the MIB theme which seems quite appropriate, as it would seem that MIB has been running around trying to get off the island, evidently, to go home for a very long time. Let me play for you the Sarasangi scale, one of the 72 Melicarta scales of Karnatak music. That scale gives us the melodic and the harmonic sequences we need in order to hear that theme. 
And so now I'll play for you the theme as it comes from the actual scene where Locke and Ben are having their discussion. And that's the Giacchino moment for this week. Stop staring at the fire. Jacob's gone. He's gone. Why didn't he fight back? Why did he let me just kill him? The Giacchino Moment. And in this week's G Kino moment, I'd like to start off with a thought about the theme from 815X. I got a tweet from Justin Keyes saying, like at Hawaii, I'm all about 815X theme. It even rivals the Oceanic theme. And yes, it is a beautiful theme. And I agree completely. And at Hawaii, of course, is Ryan from the transmission who also commented about the beauty of that music to me. So... It is a wonderful piece, but I actually made a mistake last week in part of my analysis of it. And let me explain what happened. Evidently, my cable company was having signal problems while we were watching the premiere, and the audio was cutting in and out slightly during the time of that particular scene, so there was no effect on the music at all. While I was hearing this... of the world was hearing this. And as you can tell on that second one, there is no effect on the piano at all. So I apologize to you all for not looking into that further until just now, but I actually was re-watching the episode on Hulu, and that's when I discovered that there was no effect on the piano at all. So I still don't think that means that G. Kino isn't trying to tell us something about this world not being quite right. And I'm going to point to an example of that right now. There was a theme introduced last week in LAX, the temple theme which has this basic half-step palette, harmonic palette going on underneath it in a march kind of style. Let me play that for you on the piano. Okay, so you hear that half-step, that dun-dun-dun-dun. What's happening there happens underneath things that are happening on the island in 2007, And it also became part of a background for some scenes with Kate in the X timeline this week. 
So let me play these two clips for you. I want you to listen again for that part that I just played on the piano underneath both sets of clips. The first one is from Hugo leading the group through the tunnels underneath the temple. And the second one is from Kate taking Claire to the hospital. So let's listen to the Hugo clip first. Okay, so you can definitely hear that variation, the half-step variation underneath that, that dun, 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 dun. Now, listen to this clip with Kate and Claire when Kate is first bringing Claire to the hospital. You'll hear that same motive underneath. The melody is slightly different. It's not a representation of the temple theme, but you do get a certain kind of half-step slides in the melody as well just like you do in the temple theme. So let's listen to this clip. What's happening? I think I'm having contractions. When did they start? About 20 minutes ago. Try to relax. We're going to take you to the MCU to get looked at. Are you with her? Yes. Okay, follow me. What's going on? Hold on, the doctor will be with you in just a moment. Now this to me is a clear representation that one world and the other are related in some way. Perhaps they need each other to exist. Perhaps they coexist just because of the commonality of our characters. But G. Kino is trying to, to bleed over the music in terms of what themes we hear, or at least what harmonic palettes we hear underneath those themes. He's he's bleeding those over from one world to the other. And we did see some significant things this week where Kate seemed to recognize Jack, where both Kate and Claire seemed kind of thrown ajar by Aaron's name. So it's it's very strange that G. Kino would now decide to bridge some musical connections between the two worlds at the same time that we're starting to see some connections between the two worlds with our characters. Just a thought. Now I'm going to move on to some stuff that is X-Timeline specific. And this is a theme that was presented with Kate and Claire. It's a fairly simple motive. It consists basically of nine notes. And the repetitive figure of the motive actually 
one time the motive just repeats itself, and the next time it merely moves down in terms of intervals, meaning that it sounds lower, but it has the same distance between each note as the first set. So let me just play it for you on the piano. So there you have a D, E, A, D, E, A, and then A, B, E. And the A, B, E have the same interval differences in it as the D, E, A. So there's what I call parallel motives based on a different harmony. And let's speak of harmony for a second because G. Kino takes that same nine-note riff and he actually applies two different harmonizations to it, but it all still leads around to A minor. Let me play for you the two accompaniments that go with it. a scene where we hear that theme with Kate and Claire. Oh, I should go. Oh, wait. Um, here, take my credit card. No, there's not much of a limit on it, but something. You don't have to do this. You didn't have to do what you did either. I don't know why I said it. It's like, I don't know, I knew it or something. I think you should keep him. Well, um, good luck. Yeah. Me too. Now, in this next scene that we hear this theme again with Kate and Claire, G. Kino has done something to alter it. He has changed the time signature of the motive. Before, it was in 4-4 time. Let me play for you with a metronome so that you'll hear that there are four beats in each measure as this motive is played. Now, in this next scene, he actually uses three beats instead of four. So it's in three-quarter time. Let me play that for you on the piano. What does this difference mean? By 
eliminating a beat, we can take a couple of things from it. It could be that he is raising the expediency. Uh, this is a scene where Kate is trying to, you know, she's trying to get away and, and she's trying to move on, but she's still offering Claire help. And so the immediacy of needing to get something done one way or the other may be the reasoning behind this. I'm going to take a slightly different interpretation, though, and that is, again, that things are not quite complete in this world that we're seeing, this X timeline. And that's why G. Kino makes a point to make the theme in one time signature and then in another to show us that a beat is missing. Something is somewhat out of place. So let's listen to this scene where you'll hear the Kate and Claire theme in three-quarter time. Hey there. Uh, no, it's, it's the couple who's adopting my baby. They were um, they meant to meet me at the airport, but I guess they got their days mixed up or something. It's not like they abandoned me. Brentwood, not far. Get in. <laughs> Seriously. Do you want a ride or not? So my final thoughts about this, again, even though we didn't have the effect like we did last week, or like I thought we had last week, we're still seeing things from G. Kino that's indicating, one, this X world is dependent upon the 2007 world that we know, and two, this X world is not quite complete on its own. Those are the two things that I'm getting from the way G. Kino is applying music here. We are seeing that bleed through of those basic harmonic palettes, like I demonstrated in the Temple theme palette, coming over to the X-World. What does it all mean? I don't know if G. Kino is scoring anything based on future knowledge, but if he is, then I think this is a clear sign that we're going to have to see some kind of resolution to bring these two worlds together in order for things to work. If he doesn't know what's going on in the future, maybe he's just getting a feeling that because we're seeing the characters in two timelines, that in a way our characters are split and their actions are split as well, and so that neither side is truly complete. And that's the G. Kino moment for this week. The G. Kino moment. They didn't lose your father. They just lost his body. Either way, your story beats the hell out of mine. All that was in my suitcase was a bunch of knives. Thanks. Some kind of salesman? Yeah, something like that. Nice talking to you. Uh, hope you find that coffin. Hope you find your knives. Yeah, thanks. Do you mind if I ask what happened to you? I'm sorry. I'm only asking because I'm a spinal surgeon. I, I didn't mean to. Oh, no. Don't worry about it. Uh, uh, surgery isn't going to do anything to help me. My condition is irreversible. Nothing's irreversible.
Jack Shepard. I'm John. John Locke. It's nice to meet you, John. Nice to meet you, too. And that theme that we just let in with was, of course, a theme that we now can definitely associate with John Locke. That scene was, of course, from L.A. Space X, and that was where Jack and John were introducing themselves to each other, basically, and Jack offering John a free consult for his spinal surgery. That melody... I was originally going to associate with Jack, but I did want to kind of hold out and wait and see where G. Kino was going to put it again. And, of course, we do hear it quite predominantly in this episode, The Substitute. So the G. Kino moment this week, of course, covers this theme. And I found some other striking resemblances between this theme and something else, and I'll get to that at the end of this segment. But first... I just want to play this melody for you and uh, let you hear what it is. It's 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 one of G. Kino's more complex melodies in the fact that it is just based on a four-note motive, but it does encompass eight full measures in order to complete the melody. So let me play it for you on the piano here first. if you were to play them on the piano, are C, D, D, F, E, F, F, G, D, F, F, G, D, F, F, then F, E, E, D, F, E, E, C sharp, F, E, E, G, D, and finally a B which brings us back around to the tonic. Now, as you heard me name those notes off, you may have noticed that there were several times where I was repeating the same note. And this, again, happens kind of in the middle of each measure, in the middle of each four-note group. And that, again, implies a syncopation, which is something that we've seen in some of these timelines and some of these themes. For instance, Sawyer's love theme, or the theme for Sawyer's love that I covered in the Sawyer uh, character analysis, has a similar kind of syncopation with repeated notes that throw the emphasis off a little bit. And that again says to me that something is not quite right, something is not quite in place. Nonetheless, it doesn't take any of the beauty of the theme away from itself. Let's listen to it in this scene with Locke and Helen from The Substitute. I'm sick of imagining what my life could be out of this chair, Helen. What it would be like to walk down the aisle with you. Because it's not going to happen. So as you need me to see more doctors, uh, 
have more consults. If you need me to get out of this chair, I don't blame you. But I don't want you to spend your life waiting for a miracle, Helen, because there is no such thing. There are miracles, John. Now, there is another similarity that G. Kino has drawn between this theme and the one that he chose for the Nemesis. They both have these kind of syncopated feels, and they're both ascending towards the fifth in one way or another. However, the Lock-Alt timeline theme here is major, and the Nemesis theme is minor. I'm going to play for you another thing from The Substitute, and this is where Locke is taking Sawyer down the cliff. And when you hear this theme, you'll hear a distinct similarity in rhythm and the way the notes ascend, even though they're based in two different types of key centers, the Nemesis theme being minor, the Locke theme being major, they still kind of act in the same way. So here's that scene. Down there first. You are off your damn diet. It's no problem. I'll go first. Finally, as we close out the G. Kino moment, I just wanted to say I'm patting myself on the back a little bit for a couple of musical predictions. I made these predictions in episode 38 of Keys to Lost. There are three musical predictions where I predicted Jacob's theme, Son's, and Jin's theme, and Ben's theme. So far, I'm two out of three. We did hear the Jacob theme more than once this season already. And we have now heard the Sun and Jin theme reintroduced again. I'll play those clips for you as we leave. And that's the G. Kino moment for this week. Kicked him into the fire and he burned away. Richard out into the jungle. He's recruiting. 
Let's get out of here. What makes you think that I'm going with you? Because you want to find Jen. What do you know about my husband? I know that if he's on the island and he's alive, then he'll be at the temple. Let's get moving. What about John? We need to bury him. Giacchino moment. And that, of course, was the theme for Jacob, which I know I've been talking about a lot of lately. It was one of the things that I thought we would hear a lot of this season, and I've been right about that so far. But because of a couple of requests and because of the thought that it is going to continue to be important, I thought I'd take this G. Kino moment to analyze Jacob's theme a little bit and also to take a look at that huge scene, not only dramatically, but also musically around the lighthouse with the approach to the lighthouse with Jack and then going up into the lighthouse and turning the wheel and then Jack finally breaking the mirror. There are so many musical themes that G. Kino has established throughout the years and has actually culminated in, in one brilliant kind of montage that follows through Jack's emotions in this scene. I think it's real important to analyze the scene as a whole and each little theme that we get in there. A lot of them I've already broken down theory-wise, so we won't need to actually talk about what notes they are or whatever, but I just want you to be able to identify them and see how they all work together to create that scene and to really make it quite epic. This is, of course, the ending season, and, and G. Kino's getting a chance to culminate all of these themes. He's getting a chance to put all of these themes together to help make these huge moments that the writers are writing, and it's just absolutely wonderful. Let's get into Jacob's theme right now, first off, as I promised. Jacob's theme harmonically is what makes it more interesting than anything else. The melody also has another tritone in it. Now, we've heard the tritone before with Hugo's numbers. Let me play for you just a little snippet of the Hugo numbers theme. The distance between the first two notes is an interval or a distance between those notes that we call a tritone. 
It's exactly six half steps away. It's halfway up the chromatic scale or halfway down the chromatic scale. That first interval is exactly the same first interval that Jacob's theme has. Listen to me play Jacob's theme here on the piano now. So the distance between the first two notes are exactly the same. There is a difference in the way the theme resolves, though, melodically, and that is that Hugo's goes up to the what we call the minor seventh, or a whole step below the tonic, while Jacob's resolves to the sixth. And so Jacob's melody actually creates a diminished chord. For instance, G, E, and C sharp create a type of chord that we call diminished because each of the notes are a minor third distance apart, three half steps apart. It's a diminished chord or the outline of a diminished chord in this case with the melody that gives us, first of all, a sense of uneasiness, a sense of something not quite worldly, a sense of something either of greater purpose or of greater need, and that's because diminished chords always seem to want to resolve somewhere. They always need to go somewhere. And so with Jacob, we're getting that feeling that there is purpose. There's a need to get to somewhere. And I think it's a beautiful way to illustrate Jacob's purpose is through his theme. Now, I'm sure that G. Kino didn't know there would be a relationship between Hugo and Jacob when he wrote the numbers theme. So I don't want to imply that G. Kino's been planning his score all along. But I think what he did was, once he realized the importance of Jacob in the incident when he first scored that theme, he went back to some of the mysteriousness of the numbers, and he kind of related Jacob's theme to the numbers, probably just by a, a, a haphazard guess, but it's worked out really well in the way that it's tied those elements of the story together as well. So a nice, happy accident for Mr. Giacchino. Let's also take a look at the harmony that is used for Jacob's theme. The chords are what make this thing really interesting and haunting and ancient sounding. These chords do move parallel with the melody. The first chord is the minor of the first note that we hear. The second chord is the minor of the second note that we hear. And in typical harmony, these chords don't fit within the same scale. So this is a time when G. Kino has jumped outside the boundaries of diatonic playing, which is not something that's very normal for him, at least not in Lost. And he's actually using parallel movement, which indicates that, again, this is out of junk with the rest of the world. It's something that is beyond. It's something that is different. This really adds weight to the whole thought of Jacob. It makes it more predominant in your mind. It, 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 it reaches into you. Parallel harmonies will do that, especially when the harmony is the jump of a tritone, which just sets everything a little bit off kilter. Let me play the harmony for you here.
So you can hear how the way those chords kind of move around, especially the, between the first and the second chord, that jump is very interesting. It's, it's, it makes it feel important. It makes it feel out of sync with the rest of the piece. It also gives it an ancient feel. It gives it a, dare I say, deity-like feel. And now let me just play both pieces the way they work together. You'll recognize the theme, of course, immediately here on the piano. So there it is, Jacob's theme, a very interesting theme. Again, the melody starts off with the same interval as Hugo's numbers, which is kind of an interesting correlation. And the harmony gives it the otherworldly kind of feel. And, of course, a huge scene that we heard Jacob's theme in this week was the scene at the lighthouse. So I'm going to play this scene for you, but before I do... I want you to recognize that there are many, many themes. This is what I was talking about earlier in the moment that G. Kino uses within this scene as well, which conveys several things. As Hugo and Jack approach the lighthouse, they are on a discovery. They are going through the island to discover something that they haven't seen before, and thus we get the discovery theme, which I'll play here on the piano real quick. Then, of course, we get the Jacob theme. And this covers going into the interior of the lighthouse and starting to turn the wheel and everything, and Jack seeing himself in the mirror. Then we get two more themes from Jack's side of the perspective. First is when he sees the house with Christian, we get his kind of sad strength theme, which I think directly relates to his relationship with his dad as he's looking at the house where he grew up in and the mirror, and we hear that. And then G. Kino dissolves it in a really neat horn slide way, and he starts to introduce the controversy theme, which, of course, we all know is Jack, when he's doing things controversial, it's that four-note minor scale melody that we've heard many, many times when Jack is doing something. And, of course, he does do something controversial. He ends up breaking the mirror. Let me play for you the Jack strength theme, just a snippet of it, and the controversy theme here, just so you'll have yourself familiarized with it before I play these scenes. So now that you've heard me play all of these themes on the piano, they're themes that actually I think I've analyzed all of these at some point in prior G. Kino moments. So you can go back to some of our earlier episodes and listen to hear those as they're broken down theoretically or whatever. But you're going to hear all of these themes in this same single scene, or actually it's two scenes. It's when 
Hugo and Jack are approaching the lighthouse, and then later when Hugo and Jack are up in the lighthouse. It's an amazing montage of themes and, and a great way to combine them all and to make for a really dramatic moment. So here's the scenes, and that's the Giacchino moment for this week. Dude, I'm sorry. How much further we got, Hurley? It's not far. It's not far at all. It's right there. How is it that we've never seen it before? Guess what we're looking for. Let's get started. Tell me when it gets to 108 degrees.
the G Kino moment. the theme that we've come to associate with the temple. One of the most uh, interesting things about this theme is the way that it is complementary to Jacob's theme in many ways. But first, let me just play the melody for you on the piano, and then we can discuss it. C, E flat C, 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 F sharp C, C, E, E flat, E flat C, E, E flat C. E, E flat, E flat, B, B flat, B, D flat. Last week when I discussed Jacob's theme, I brought up a couple of things. One, that Jacob's melody begins with an interval of a tritone, which means that the distance between the first two notes is exactly halfway along a chromatic scale. And I'll show you how that relates to this temple theme in just a moment. But one other thing that I noticed about Jacob's theme was that G. Kino had essentially abandoned the notion of staying within known Western music diatonic scales. Uh, to remain within one diatonic scale, one must only use the notes uh, that that particular scale provides. But in the case of G. Kino's note choices regarding Jacob's theme, he has instead used notes from at least two different scales. And this is the first similarity to the temple theme that I want to demonstrate right now. Most of the temple theme is, in fact, borrowed from a single scale, but not all of it. And the two scales that G. Kino uses to base this melody on are not what we would call typical scales. They are not what we would call modal. And by modal, I mean that they do not correspond directly to a major or minor type scale that we are most familiar with in Western music. Instead, this melody is derived from a couple of scales that a lot of modern jazz players are quite familiar with, two different scales of the same type that are called half-whole scales. The scale is an eight-note scale, which not only makes it symmetrical as compared to a typical seven-note diatonic scale, but it also allows for perfect division of tones between the steps of half step followed by a whole step. This scale is what allows the piece to have both a major and minor quality to it at the same time. Since the melody I played was in the key of C, a typical diatonic harmony would dictate to me to use either an E natural exclusively or an E flat exclusively to give it a major or minor sound respectively. But the C half whole scale has actually both notes, an E and an E flat in it. I'll play the scale here for you on the piano, but the notes are C, D flat, E flat, E. That's the way we get both the major and minor sounds out of the same scale, the E and the E flat. Then there's an F sharp, which is also how we get the tritone, which I'll talk about here in a minute, and then a G, A, B flat, and finally back to C. Here's the way the scale sounds on the piano. (laughs) 
so you can hear that that sounds old and and uh, not quite what we're used to hearing in Western music. That scale works great for most of the piece until we get to the last two measures where the melody actually has a B natural in it, and that note doesn't fit in the scale that I just played. Let me play this last two measures again for you real quick. How does he get that E-flat to B and then a B-flat, B, D-flat sound? After the E-flat, he borrows from the B-flat half-hole scale, which has those notes in it, the B-flat, the B-natural, and the D-flat. Here's that scale on the piano. Okay, so I think that covers a similarity of not using the diatonic scales for the temple theme and Jacob's theme. But what does that really do for the effect of the piece of music in terms of how we are viewing the show? One thing that it does is because of the presence of a major third and a minor third, the E and the E flat, we get a sense of ambiguity or even uh, mystery. It also harkens us to scale types that are from Eastern music and Far Eastern music, giving it a feeling that it is definitely older than, say, you know, your average Mozart piece. Let's look at another similarity between the Temple theme and Jacob's theme. There is an interval of a tritone, as I mentioned before, in both melodies. In Jacob's theme, it's the first two notes of the melody. Now, in the temple theme, there is a tritone as well. It's not until the second phrase of the melody, but I'm sure you'll hear it. The difference between the two tritones? Jacob's theme descends down by a tritone, while the temple theme ascends upwards. One, I suppose, could interpret this as the lowerlings, the others who are at the temple, lifting up their hopes to Jacob while he comes down to them with guidance. But, you know, that would be a purely subjective interpretation, and I'm not willing to place any bets on G. Kino putting that much thought into it. I think he probably did specifically choose one descending and one ascending for a good reason, though, and that is that it provides symmetry. With one representing an ascent and the other one a descent, you have kind of a meeting in the middle, as it were. And this, on a subliminal level, can help us connect the two themes and thus connect Jacob with the others psychologically. So it tells us, kind of in its own way, where the others' loyalties lie. One other thing uh, that the two themes do have in common is the use of diminished chords, uh, either in melody or harmony. Both have notes that are played at the same time that would create a diminished chord. With Jacob's theme, it's the first three notes, G, D-flat, and E. With the temple theme, it's a combination of the C, E-flat, and F-sharp that creates the diminished chord. And G. Kino even goes so far to use that diminished chord as part of his harmony for the temple theme as well, one note at a time.
And the implication of a diminished chord, even if the notes aren't played at the same time as they aren't in either of these melodies, those notes, they just kind of stick in our brains and, and point to one another and, and almost create that chord in our mind. The diminished chord always wants to resolve. It always needs to go somewhere. It has a sense of purpose of moving to something. And that's the feeling we get from both the temple theme and from Jacob's theme. And it makes sense that Giacchino would give a sense of purpose to both themes since they are aligned with one another, since the temple is obviously aligned with Jacob. So there's a breakdown of the temple theme. I'll leave you with a couple of clips, and that's the Giacchino moment for this week. Thanks for listening. What are you doing? I'm leaving. I've been banished. Banished? For what? Apparently, I'm evil. These people say I'm better off dead. Which is surprising, considering they were the ones who saved my life. Well, actually, they're not. They... You had the opportunity to do it yourself. Why didn't you? I was a businessman once in Osaka. I worked at a bank. I was good at my job, very successful. And one Friday, I was promoted. My associates took me out to celebrate. I had too much to drink. Every Friday, I picked my son up from baseball. He was 12. The accident was very bad. Keys to Lost is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. Get all of your favorite Lost podcasts in one feed at Lostcasts. 